It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Wednesday Buckeye Talk. From Cleveland.com, it's Doug Marie, so along with Stephen Means and Nathan Baird. It's the Big Wednesday Pod, and we're doing tears. Not tears of frustration, not tears of joy, tears of teams. I have assigned all power, all, all 65 power five teams into one of seven tiers in college football. And the reason that I think this matters now is not just because we're desperate for content because, you know, nothing's happening. But as this Big Ten discussion happens, guys, I think it is valuable as we try to analyze what's happening with the Big Ten, what should happen with the Big Ten, why do Big Ten programs think this way or that way. I think it is helpful to think about where they are in the college football landscape. Nathan, that idea, that that added a little urgency to this podcast topic to me, that there was a reason we're doing this because when we get to the end of it, you know, we're going to talk about where Kansas and TCU and Washington fit into everything. But really, we want to zero in on the tiers that Big Ten programs occupy. I think that tells us a little something about how they might be thinking. Do you agree with that? Yeah, you and I talked about this a little bit, I think, on the Monday pod, right? That it might be something that is affecting how some teams are voting even in this um, that if you're a program that feels like you have something to play for right now I and mean, we've obviously seen that play out Ohio State's urgency to get something done this fall is directly tied into the fact that it could win a national championship this fall there may be other programs who are if, if they're hesitant about the medical stuff and Ohio State may be too to some extent but it may change how you balance that in your head that you don't have the same urgency to come back, especially if you're in one of these bottom two tiers and you're a program that's almost out there as cannon fodder for other programs right now, that you don't really have anything to aspire to beyond, I guess, the um, the revenue that you would generate from football. And that may be a different math that those pr- the presidents and chancellors of those universities are doing. So I think in, in a way, I think it does potentially affect that decision at the end of the day for some teams. I think it, in, at large, it is still about health, but I think it does come into the balance of that conversation that's going on in some people's heads. And as we said all along, I mean, it's not, nothing is just, it, it's not just a health and safety decision. It's a health and safety and medical decision in comparison to playing. It's all the balance. So it affects how you value football affects your scales, right? 
So, I mean, I, let's get, I want to get right to it though, because we do have a lot to cover. We're going to go in reverse order and I just want to get to this right away. Steven, Vanderbilt football. Just, I'm just going to throw it out there. Just go. No, I'm just kidding. It's like, uh, I mean, <laughs> this is tier seven. I mean, this is, I mean, we haven't talked a lot about Kansas and Oregon State on this podcast, but I think it's time that we do. Seven tiers. I'll give you the titles, the descriptions of the tiers that I gave them. And then we'll get in starting with tier seven. Tier seven is bad. That's just, was they're just bad. I didn't get more descriptive than that. Tier six is, dear God, please let us make a bowl and we'll plan a vacation around it. So that's like, you're kind of bad, but you have some, you know, there's, there's ups, there's peaks every now and then. But when you have a peak, you embrace it because you don't know when the next one's coming. Tier five is a winning record and making a bowl is normal, but you don't really expect much more. So it's like, you know, you're trying to be 500. You don't go crazy when you make the weed eater bowl because you went six and six, but really you kind of know what you are and there's not much more than that. Tier four is a winning program. You make a bowl almost every year, but making a conference title game or winning 10 games is viewed as like, wow, that is a great year that you have that ability every now and then to do it. But when you do do it, you are like super excited about it because that's a huge deal. But there are some good programs in there. That more to me is like you win seven games a year, sometimes eight. But man, when you can get to 10, you go bonkers. Tier three, regular conference title contender and you're a top 25 type, te type team. But it would really take something close to a miracle to win a national title. But really good. There's some really good teams in that tier to me. Tier two is a very good program almost all the time, and your peak can win a national title. Like you're up, you're not, you're not really a national title contender every year, but when you are at your best, that is good enough to win it all. And then tier one is the teams that compete for a national title every year, and that winning it is sort of a reasonable expectation every year. So let's go back to tier seven, because that's where the money is. I made all, I put every team in, in every major team in the country in these tiers, but I want you guys to focus kind of on the big 10 stuff. So I'll start off the top. Steven, when you thought about this, did you place any big 10 teams in tier seven in bad, just yeah. bad, just bad. No more the description, bad. What big 10 teams fit that? Rutgers fits that just off the bat without even having to look at the rest of the Big Ten. I mean, they're never good, and they're never going to be good. They're always going to be bad. So you start with Rutgers. Uh, I think after that, everybody else is probably higher than that. You know, but Rutgers is the only one where it should be consistently. They're just going to be bad every year. And if you're Ohio State, just go ahead and mark that as a W. As a matter of fact, if you're most of the Big Ten, just mark that as a W before you even play the game. Do you agree, Nathan, that Rutgers, I mean, I think Rutgers, Rutgers is practically defines that category. Do you agree that they're the only Big Ten team that would fit in there? I think right now you'd put Maryland there, but I think both Rutgers and Maryland, there's, I, I disagree with Steven to some extent that they will always be bad. Um, I, I know it's going to be a tougher path to them to have any kind of a great season in the Big Ten than it was in the Big East. But I also think that there's no reason both of those teams shouldn't be up in at least tier six where you make a bowl game every once in a while and it isn't considered like the end of the world that you just made a bowl game. Like people are like, oh, yeah, like 
so-and-so team. They, they won six games. They made a bowl. Like right now, if Rutgers wins six games and makes a bowl, it's like this massive feel-good story that everybody heaps praise on them for getting to the base level of mediocrity in FCS football, FBS football. So I, I put – I think Maryland probably belongs in that group right now, today, as we're doing it. But I think bo- they're pretty close to tier six. And there's no reason both those teams shouldn't be up. I have three Big Ten teams in tier seven. I have seven teams in the country in tier seven, and three of them are Big Ten teams. The non-Big Ten teams I have in tier seven are Kansas, Oregon State, Vanderbilt, and Colorado. And I will say a partial guide that I used with this is Chris Stassen is a college football guy. He has a great website. It's a very easy, searchable database where you can just plug in a group of years, and it gives you the winning percentages for every team out there over that group of, group of time. So part of this is you have to take – what has happened recently into account. That's what it is. But also I think your tradition, your fan expectations, you can be in like a 10 year rut where your fans still think, and the program still thinks we should be much better than this, right? That when Michigan was going three and nine for a couple of years, Michigan would never have fallen into tier seven just because they had a crappy six year stretch. You know what I mean? Michigan never would have been at the point where, where fans would have been like, my God, if we can just make a bowl, we're going to go have a party, right? So like some programs could just never fall here. This is just the dregs. But again, based on the, I, what I put in is the last 10 years. And then I, so it's, I looked at all the 65 power conference teams because the stats and rankings, it's great for it. I couldn't separate out like the non-power five teams. And so Central Florida and Boise State and whatever are working their way in there. So I had to do a little math on my own. Um, there's actually a team, well, I'll tell you what. I have Illinois, Rutgers, and Maryland in the bottom tier uh, Illinois of the 65 power conference teams over the past 10 years, Illinois is 61st in winning percentage. Rutgers is 59th. Maryland is 58th. But like, I, and I know this is the funny thing. It's like Illinois beat Wisconsin last year. Right. But where is Illinois going? Like, where is the hope? What is the, I mean, they just suck. Do they not just suck? Like, am I, am I being unfair to Illinois, which in the, is, has the last whatever many years, this is their win totals, 6, 4, 2, 3, 5, 6, 4, 2, 7, 7, 3, 5, 9, 2, 2, 3, 1, 5. That goes back to the last time they won double-digit double games, back to 2001. I mean, so suck to me, does it? Because everybody plays such lousy non-conference games. It doesn't mean you go 1-11 every year, but they stink. So I don't know. So I put... I put Maryland, Illinois, and Rutgers there. But if you guys – I mean, am I wrong on Illinois with you? Am I unfair to Lovey here? No, that was, my, that was my, like, second guess. But then you remember they made a bowl game last year. So, I mean, it's Illinois, I know. But at least, you know, they were able to get into the postseason and show some type of hope a little bit. So, that's why I kind of teetered on Tier 6 and Tier 7 with them. Yeah, they were like a 6.5 for me. There's a lot of teams like that, right? That you can plot, you can you you actually kind of put them in the middle. And the other thing that affects this is if you put Maryland and Rutgers down first, and then you see Illinois, and as much as they have been bad, you think to yourself, are they that bad? Like, do they belong in that same category, or are do you see them as more like? And then you read stats like that, and it makes me think I was probably wrong that I probably should have had them in tier seven because um, I, I probably have followed them closer than anybody else in this conversation, just because I grew up there and, and, and know about Illinois football. And, and you're right. I mean, they've had higher peaks 
than the kinds of teams they're talking about with Rutgers and Maryland as far as since they've been in the Big Ten. Um, so I think you've seen Illinois get in that 9-10 win conversation, but it's so sporadic. And so many other years where they're in that 2-3 win conversation, that, and it's inexplicable to us. We talked about this on a pod a couple months ago, right, that it, Illinois is maybe the one program in the Big Ten that confounds us more than any as far as how little success they have relative to what they have at their disposal, you would think. It so, no, you're not the- wrong. It is one of those things where, I mean, you could make, it was like, well, there's, are there four tiers? Are there 11 tiers? I mean, right. if you want, you could make a Rutgers tier. I mean, it's like, who's in the Rutgers? It's like Rutgers and Kansas. Rutgers and Kansas and like maybe Vanderbilt, maybe Oregon State, but like really like Rutgers, just like hopeless. So I expanded the bottom tier to be not only hopeless, but bad because bad and hopeless is different, right? And now Greg Schiano's back or whatever. So, but the other thing is, I do think you can climb tiers pretty easily. If you get like, yes. especially if you really stink, if you are awful, and you get like a kind of a sharp person in charge who recruits a little bit and just energizes people, people want to like college football. I mean, I think you can go from like tier seven to tier five in like two years. And if you also make a terrible hire who drives your program off a cliff, you can go from tier four or five to tier seven pretty quickly too, right? Like Colorado shouldn't be down that low, but they, I mean, Mel Tucker went there for a year and then he left and then they couldn't find anybody to hire. Like Colorado football is hopeless right now. So those are my seven and tier seven. And, you know, I think we don't need to spend a ton of time on that, but I do think I'm kind of with you guys. You know, Rutgers is definitely there. I think Maryland and Illinois are more debatable. And I will make this point. Again, I did not just use the winning percentages over the past seven years as a hard and fast rule, because you know what program over the past 10 years, what power five program has the second worst winning percentage in college football ahead of only Kansas. It's a big 10 team and it's not Rutgers. Anybody want to guess? Indiana. Purdue. Oh, Purdue. Yeah, because of the Daryl Hazel years. Yeah. Purdue, but right now, right now, I feel like with Jeff Brom, with that offense, right? I mean, maybe incorrectly. I just feel like there's a little more hope around the Brom program than there is like the Lovey Smith, Greg Schiano, Rucker. You know what I mean? So, so I put Purdue in, in tier six. I had seven teams in tier seven. I have 13 teams in tier six. What big 10 teams do you guys think should be in tier six, which is Dear God, please let us make a bowl and we'll plan a vacation around it. Steven, you go ahead first on who you think should be here from the Big Ten. I would have to put Maryland there, but uh, definitely Purdue. Uh, Northwestern is probably in that tier at this point. Uh, maybe Iowa, maybe, but definitely Northwestern. Iowa is sure. factually wrong. You're, you're drunk if you think Iowa is tier yeah, so, uh, prob- That's probably a terrible guess. Northwestern is I'm just I'm gonna go with the confident guess and that's Northwestern. The team that the team that made the Big Ten championship game two years ago? Yeah, and then fell off a cliff the year after. Northwestern that let me look here. Literally the year after they fell off a cliff. Northwestern that in these are its win totals the last ten years. Three, nine, ten, seven, ten, five, five, ten, six, seven. That has four seasons of nine wins or more in the last decade, you think is in the second worst tier in college football. It's okay. You're wrong. You're wrong. But that's okay. We're allowed to have opinions. Your opinion on that. And the idea that you even threw out Iowa, I think you might need to reset 
and recheck your list because you're not getting it. If you think Iowa, literally, if you, Iowa is like a top 25 team, like Every on year. a regular basis. If yeah. you think they're in tier six, your view of college football is warped. So Write it. Did you write stuff down? Or are you pulling this out of the air every time I say a tier? No, this is the first one I've gotten wrong. What are you talking about? I was good. You said Northwestern and Iowa are in tier six. Northwestern fell off a cliff all okay. of a sudden last year. All right, Nathan, we're going to move on to you. Who do you have in tier six here? Well, obviously, Mer- Mer- um, Illinois, as we discussed, is being kind of like a, a 6.5. And then I put Indiana, Nebraska, and Purdue in tier six. And like, and Purdue is a great example of what – Rutgers and Maryland should be doing right. I mean, that, that should, that's their next step. I mean, Purdue was bad. They won eight games or nine, whatever, in four years with Daryl Hazel, they got a new coach. They go to back-to-back bowl games. And then last year, they, they obviously were bad last year, but they had every decent player except that the freshmen were injured at some point last year. So it, it's a team that you plausibly expect to be, to go to a bowl game every year, but not a great bowl game. That's kind of how I looked at tier six. Like it, it's, it's, if you look down that list, it's probably going to be a lot of teams that, they get up to that six or seven win thing every once in a while. It's mixed in with a lot of five and four win seasons. Um, they don't like scare anybody on a national level, but there's some level of respect there that they're not just a pushover. I have in tier six from the big 10, I have Indiana and Purdue. I think, Northwestern and Nebraska and, and other programs are a cut above and also as part of, part of perception, right? I mean, yeah, I was going to say, like, why is Nebraska above them right now? What? Because the, the expectation, because I don't know that Nebraska fans are at a point or that the program itself is at a point of, dear God, please let us make a bowl and we'll build a vacation around it. I think that the, what Nebraska once was, right? And that Nebraska under Bo Pelini won nine games every year. Yes, they are bad right now. We may be in a different spot here. I am, it's not only about the past couple of years, right, to me, when you do this. I just don't think – now, Nebraska's level of play right now, but, like, we're talking about tiers. When Nebraska was brought into the Big Ten, they were brought in because they were viewed as a national powerhouse. To view them, yeah, they've had a bunch of crappy years, but I don't think they have now slid down into the second worst tier in college football. Right. I don't think they operate. I don't think they think of themselves that way. I don't think the fans think of them that way. Yes, the on-field results have not been good. But I, I, I think when you think about Nebraska football, that's still that's still a very different place than Purdue or Indiana football, is it is it not? I know it's supposed to be in terms of prestige. I know it is in terms of just the way people think of them. I know what you're saying. But Nebraska is not above Purdue as far as what it's accomplishing as a football program. It just is not. It can't be argued. They've won 14 games the last three years combined. They, they lose to Purdue head-to-head. Purdue goes to bowl games. Nebraska doesn't. I know that's a short I, sample I'm size. I'm worried about this. I think, that I think I'm viewing this differently than you guys. I don't care. Nebraska, the last 10 years, wins by season. 5-4-4-9-6-9-9-10-9-10-9-5-9. I think, I think five off. years ago they are in a higher tier. I think today they're in a lower tier. I don't think you fall from – they would have been – they were a team that was once in Tier 1. I don't think you fall to Tier 6 almost ever. I just think we're viewing it. Maybe – well, the listeners can decide. I'm viewing this differently. I get it. I get it. If you told Nebraska they're in Tier 6 right now, they'd strangle you. They don't view themselves in Tier 6, They're and they are trying to get – part of being in a tier is that sort of like you almost accept that you're in that tier, 
right? I mean, that's part of it. What Indiana that, yeah. football wants to be is so different than what Nebraska football wants to be. And by the way, Stephen, Northwestern, the last decade has four seasons of nine wins or more. Indiana hasn't won nine games in a season since 1967. Like, I get it. Northwestern, the year after making the Big Ten championship game, had a bad year. They're not in tier six. We have to, you guys got to open your view a little bit. It's not looking at the records last year or just the last two years. Well, hold on a it's second. I was, where, hold on. No, it's where you was, are as a program. It is think, where they are as a program in terms of accomplishment. Who? Nebraska. The accomplishment of like the is last one of the three years. Five worst teams in the Big Ten right now. I, I might have to. I might have to mute you guys and do my own podcast. I, do you not understand what I'm trying to say here? It's not. I understand what you're trying to say, but I don't. I, I think it's both. I think it's a balance of that. So Nebraska can think of itself what it wants to think, all it wants. But here's what it's actually doing right now. It's a team that can't get to a bowl game right now. A bowl game. At, the, at a time where it's never been easier in the history of college football to get to a bowl game, Nebraska can't get to one for three years in a row. They're not that good. They're closer to seven than they are to five for me. You are drunk. I seriously, I'm going to do it well, myself. Certainly close, they're certainly you're, closer I mean, to seven than so they are to wrong, four. You're, it's embarrassing. The last, the last, since they joined the Big Ten, in the last 10 years, there's, their, there's a wins by year. Ten, this is when they joined the Big Ten. They won nine games. They won 10 games. They won nine games. They won nine games. They won six. They won nine. They've, they've had three bad years while they try are having a savior coach to come back to, re, to revitalize the program. They're like a nine-win program that's in a little – it's in a dip right now. To say that they're practically in Tier 7 with, with – I didn't say they're practically in Tier 7. I said I put them in Tier 7 before tier I put seven. them in – I said I put them in 7 before I put them in 4. That's different. You said Tier 7 in Nebraska in the same sentence. Tier 7 is Rutgers and Vanderbilt. I, I was trying to make a hyperbolic point. Uh, so, so this is, this is already turning into like the Oregon, this is like turning into the Oregon podcast where I'm going to be screaming at people because we're viewing things differently. How much Steven, Steven explain what, when you think about a team's tier, cause we're going to run into more problems here as we go along. And maybe it'll be interesting problems. Maybe it'll be gears grinding kind of problems that are going to drive our listeners nuts. How did you think about this? How did you take in last year's performance, performance in the last couple of years, tradition, general expectations, what their peak still could be when everything's going right? How would you describe how you evaluated the tiers? One, what their peak might be. You know, is their peak their conference championship contender or their national championship contender? Is their peak just making a bowl game? But then also, you know, are they consistently at least near that peak, not going from – you know, the extreme of one and then completely going downhill the year afterward instead of being able to build on something there. And then you've got teams like Rutgers where it's just consistently bad versus consistently good versus consistently great what was it with a team like Ohio State. I looked at it more from that view than, okay, yes, they had a good year for one year, but for the most part, they're not – with whatever the tier is, they're not constantly in whatever the conversation of that tier is. So there's no reason I would put them any higher than – put a team in tier five if they're not constantly in the conversation of whatever we're going to make for tier five. What's constant constantly is in the last couple years? Yeah. In the last I look, last four or five years here. All right. Nathan, how much do you do you think sort of like 
tradition, where your peak is, what you can be at your best factors into it. Cause that, I mean, that, that's indisputable, right? I mean, like what Indiana football can be at its best and what Nebraska football can be at its best is still a different thing, but how much does that factor in versus what you're seeing on the field? Like in the last couple of years, I think it's, it is a factor. I think it definitely gave me some tougher decisions when I got higher on this list. Cause there's definitely some programs out there who in the very relatively recent past were national powers and not just for like a, a, a one-off thing. We're like, you know, we considered them to be really strong year in and year out. And now they're more in like just a, an every year they make a bowl, they might win eight, nine games. And that's, that's kind of just where they're floating right now. Um, I see that as very different though. I mean, Nebraska may actually be the one where I'm this far off of you. And part of it is again, like, can I reasonably put them on a list with, you know, Purdue and Indiana, well, not so much Indiana, but but Purdue was maybe the one that just jumped out at me as, as having covered that division before, where one of those teams is ahead of the other one. So how do I put them up into another tier just based on what was happening under, you know, a decade ago even? I, I don't know. That that was tough for me. I, I, I'll listen to the argument why Nebraska should be higher, but I also don't think it's the same thing as writing Northwestern off for one season. I think three seasons is a, a different data set. Nebraska, the last 10 years, ranks 33rd in winning percentage among the 65 power conference teams. So that's obviously built. And trending down. And, and trending down. But do you think they're trending down for good? I think they're trending um, – I, I think they're trending to being a, a, like, maybe tier four, tier five kind of team again. I don't know that they ever get back to that um, historic dominance that they once had. You think they're trending toward being a tier four, tier five, but you have them in tier six right now. That's why they're on. They have to get back up to that. I think that's their ceiling, is what I'm saying. Okay. This was healthy. It's not. Uh, I don't know if healthy is the word I'd use. They're trending down. So you already have them at six, but you think they can somehow trend back up to four, but they would have to get back up to four, even though in the last decade. Okay. I disagree. Um, here are the 13 teams that I had in tier six. Again, Purdue and Indiana are the two that I had in tier six from the Big Ten. You know, we don't have to spend a lot of time on Wake Forest. Arizona, Duke, Washington State, Old Miss, Texas Tech, Syracuse, Arkansas, Cal, Wake Forest, Virginia, Iowa State, Purdue, and Indiana. So Iowa State, I mean, Iowa State, people are excited about Iowa State. They just had so far to come. I think they're trying to climb – I still think they're not quite there yet. Virginia had one really good year last year. They made the ACC championship game, right? But they were like, they're like Oregon State before that. Virginia stinks. And they had one huge year that I think climbed them from seven to six. But I've got to see that for more than a year. Arkansas used to be good, but like their downturn is like, they're a decade into their downturn now. And the Bielema, Bielema was a, was a crap show. And then Chad Morris, I mean, it's, it is not good at Arkansas. So, um, that's who I had in tier six. Tier five, I have 12 teams in tier five. A winning record and making a bowl is normal, but you can't or don't realistically expect much more at the moment. I had two Big Ten teams in tier five. Steven, who do you have in tier five from the Big Ten? Michigan? No, I didn't have Michigan in <laughs> No, I, I had Minnesota with trending up, trending on the upward right now because they constantly are winning games. They're pro 
I mean, they're probably going to be the Big Ten, the team that came out of the Big Ten West this year. Obviously, PJ Fleck is starting something there, but it's still on the trend up. So you don't want to say it. Right now, as in the in the preseason, in a normal year, there were I think Nebraska. We thought Nebraska was going to be where okay, this is the season where things take off, and this is where Minnesota is at this point. This is the season where things take off. We'll see what actually happens when they get on the field, though. But yeah, constantly winning. Um, but now they're they're starting to enter the conference championship, you know, realm conversation. They haven't gotten there yet, but we'll see what happens. But tier five and trending upward. I um. They weren't I – mean, Wisconsin was still the West favorite, but Minnesota in the mix and clearly coming yeah. off its best season in forever. Top, in the mix in the top ten last year, really good team. Nathan, who did you have in tier five? For the I also year? just had Minnesota there. Have you placed Northwestern yet, Nathan, or no? No. So you have Northwestern higher than tier five, above tier five. And, Stephen, yes. you had Northwestern in tier six, right? Mm-hmm. I have Northwestern and Minnesota in tier five. Um, as good as I've been saying Northwestern has been, and they have been, you know, there still is, that's still um, kind of built on a, built on the sand, right? I mean, that are, there is not a great foundation there. And I think that could slide away at any moment, but my gosh, I mean, like the a winning record is now normal at Northwestern. And I do think last season for Minnesota pulled Minnesota up from like tier six to tier five. And they're, they're more on the way up, but not quite again, like, tradition, general fan expectation of who you think you are as a program. The other programs I had in tier five, Missouri, South Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee, North Carolina State, Pitt, North Carolina, Georgia Tech, UCLA, and Boston College. So there's a big mishmash of stuff there. It's like UCLA could probably even be lower, but man, they're kind of still UCLA, but they've stunk for a long time. Tennessee is like a really good program that is just absolutely trapped in limbo and has not been able to get out of it for a while. North Carolina, people are really excited about, but North Carolina was kind of iffy for a while there. I feel like they have a chance. They're moving up, but I think, you know, if they become what people think they can become, then they're going to be higher than tier five, maybe a year from now, but I don't think they're there yet. So I have Minnesota Northwestern in tier five. So that is 32. That's basically half the power conference teams I have in the bottom three tiers. And now we're going to get to the top four tiers. And this is where you start getting pretty good. I have some good programs in tier four. There are some, there are some solid football programs in tier four. And we'll be right back to examine them after this on Buckeye Talk. Back on Buckeye Talk, we're talking tiers in college football. 614-350-3315 is a way to be a tech subscriber as we work through this while waiting to see if anything changes with the Big Ten. Tier four, my description is you're a winning program. You make a bowl game almost every year, but making a conference title game or winning 10 games a year is viewed as really good. So this to me is like, you know, like you're winning like seven or eight games. You're not guaranteed to be in the top 25, but you're dancing in the top 25 sometimes. But your peak is still quite a bit below like national championship level. But like every now and then you can make a run maybe to win your division. So for big 10 teams, I had 13 teams overall in tier four. And I had two Big Ten teams in Tier 4. Steven, did you have any Big Ten teams in Tier 4? Yeah, I'm going to make this argument for why Michigan State is a Tier 4 team, even though they've won two Big Ten championships. They went through Ohio State to win one of them back before they switched up the division. They also beat Ohio State in 2015 to go ahead and get their other one. But outside of that, their wins are 7-6, 7-6, 10-3, 3-9, 12-2, 11-2, 13-1, 7-6, 11-3, and then 11-2. That's all Mark D'Antonio. 
really good program. I hate that you put always in a top 25 conversation in the tier above this because it kind of takes away from the But always in, near the top 25, but they're usually at the bottom of the top 25. Every so often, they can play spoiler to a team like Ohio State. They've done it in the past. But I don't think anybody thinks that they're going to win a national championship. And so the best that they're going to be able to do is they'll play spoiler and maybe get in as the Big Ten East you know, division winner and win the Big Ten championship game. But that's like their peak. Michigan State in the last uh, 10 years is – 12th in winning percentage in the power 65 that they went through between 2010 and 2017 um, to win double digit games, six out of eight years is unbelievable. And that they made the playoff is unbelievable. And if you felt like D'Antonio was still going to be there and continue that, they're definitely higher than tier four. They have to be. I mean, their recent past is higher than tier four. Their recent past is, is like practically tier two. They've made a playoff. The playoff has not been around that long. They're one of the teams that's made it. They've beaten Ohio State. Nobody beats Ohio State. They won big games against Ohio State. It just depends with Mel Tucker, with who they are consistently, with the way they recruit consistently. Can they hang on to that? Or did that start to slip away under D'Antonio? It clearly did with seven and six the last two years. And is that, is that going to really slide that way for a while? So I think Michigan State is really interesting. I think they are probably kind of like, as Nathan sort of said before, there's some .5 teams in here where it's like, yeah. well, you know, Nathan, who did you have in tier four? I had Northwestern finally making the board. And then I had Iowa and Michigan State. And part of it was, as I was looking for those, those top tiers, basically, if you made a playoff, in my mind, it was like it was very hard to keep you out of tier two or at least three, right? Um, and, and, le- and kind of in the back of my mind was like, unless it kind of feels like a fluke. And I know, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say no offense to Michigan State, but it, that's the one that does feel like the most outlier playoff team in a lot of ways. And it's, it, as you said it, it's like, it was like amazing that they did that. And I don't know that you look at any of the other teams that have been in the playoffs recently and think, wow, how did that happen? You're like, oh yeah, that's actually a pretty good program that you expect to be in contention for that pretty much every year. So, and, and that coupled with, again, just the trend of the last couple of years made it hard for me to put them up again. Part of this gets spoiled by the teams that you start putting in tiers two, tier three. Like, does Michigan State belong on the same line with those people? And my ultimate decision was no. I put them as a four. But, again, it would be leaning towards being higher. Yeah, they made the playoff, but they very quickly showed that they had no business being in the playoff as well. So so that's clear, right? They made the playoff and made it clear very quickly that they don't belong in tier one or tier two but they're in tier four right i mean i don't know it just i i think it depends how you think they go from here did we all so nathan you said you had iowa in tier four i did yeah and steven where did you have iowa five i have iowa in tier four i think iowa is maybe like a prototypical tier four team that this is what they are they do win seven eight games most years they they do have a peak that can get up and compete, you know, and win 10 games every now and then. I had Nebraska in this tier too. And this is Nebraska, again, this is not the last three years Nebraska. This is Nebraska 
you know, 10 years ago, eight years ago, the Bo Pelini Nebraska, I think was here, right? You're winning nine games, but you're really not quite there. And it's a matter of you, you have to give, to me, you have to give Nebraska some credit for their tradition and then how much can they hold on to it? So I had Iowa and Nebraska in tier four. I do not have Michigan state in tier four. These are the 13 teams I had in tier four. TCU, Texas A&M, Utah, Baylor, West Virginia, Louisville, Kansas State, Mississippi State, Virginia Tech, Miami. Miami is another interesting one. Miami, I think, and Nebraska are, like, very similar. Like, their peak was – they were absolutely tier one, but will they ever get back to that? And so if you think they can never get back to that, then how far sl- – do you give them any credit for that at all anymore, or is that completely wiped out? And then if you just go by right now, how far down do they slide? I still had Miami and Nebraska. I wanted to keep them together because I think they're mirror images in, you know, crazy mirror, funhouse mirror images. So then those are my 13, Nebraska and Iowa were the two Big Ten teams. Now it gets dicey. And I'll tell you this, the top three tiers, I only have seven teams in tier three, eight teams in tier two, and five teams in tier one. You got to be really good to me to start to get to this. Cause there are some solid Virginia tech's like a really solid program. I had them in tier four, right? This is like the people that you just, everybody knows about you. Everybody talks about you. You're like a thorn in the side to tier two and tier one. If you're in tier three, like you can hang with tier one and tier two. Sometimes you beat them, but you're just not as consistent. And you're really, you're not really, in the national title picture, but I think you can beat teams that are in the national title picture. I described it as regular season conference title contender and a top 25 type, t- type team, but it would really take something close to a miracle to win a national title, but really good. And the fans are happy about it. My exam, I think the most prototypical team to me of tier, of tier three is a big 10 team, but Nathan, let's start with you. Who did you have from the big 10 in tier three? Michigan and Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Steven, who did you have? Michigan and Wisconsin as well. Yeah. Constantly 10 win programs. Uh, Wisconsin has made multiple Big Ten championship games, but they're not beating the tier one team that they have to get through in order to get, get any higher than that. So, yeah. I had Michigan, Wisconsin, and Michigan State. Because I think Michigan State to me was like 3.5, right? I think. In another year or two, they probably would slide to tier four for me. But again, you know, again, they're, they're in the top 12 in winning percentage in the last decade. So that pushed them up to tier three for me. I think this is the Wisconsin tier. This to me is exactly who they are. You are really good all the time and you're right there, but I can not fathom what a Wisconsin national title would look like. Right, Nathan? Like there's not... I don't, their best, to me, tier three is your best is still not good enough. Your best season, you're still not going to win a national title because you're just not built for it. And I think Wisconsin defines that perfectly. Yeah, you're nationally relevant. You go to the Rose Bowl when the Big Ten champion gets to go to a better game. Things like that. Like you, you, you have a national presence, but you're not a, a threat to those teams that are in the upper echelon. You're, you, are, you, you have a ceiling. Either whether that's from style of play, whether that's from resources and recruiting, but you have a ceiling. You make the most of it. You make the most of what you have. You, you're, you're almost like capitalizing on, 
on it in a way that few teams are maybe even getting less out of what getting more out of what you have than teams at upper tiers are getting out of what they have in some cases, but that you're right. It's still not going to be good enough to have that kind of national breakthrough. The Wisconsin winning a national championship would be sort of a seismic event. Wisconsin spent a lot of time in the top five over the last decade and they were 13 and one in 2017. And yet, you know, that's probably the best they're going to get. They're not winning a national championship. The seven teams that I had in tier three, it's funny. This is like a big, big 10 Pac-12 tier for me. Because I feel like there's a lot of big 10 Pac-12 teams that are like, they're good. They will never win a national championship. Like they are good, solid, enjoyable football teams to watch. It would take aliens landing for them to win it all. So of the seven teams... In, that I had here, I had three Big Ten teams and two Pac-12 teams. My three Big Ten teams are Wisconsin, Michigan, Michigan State. I had both Washington and Stanford here. Which Washington to me is just Wisconsin West. I mean, it's, the, it's like the same thing. A lot of respect for Chris Peterson. I think Jimmy Lake replacing Chris, Chris Peterson. I think maybe Jimmy Lake has a shot to lift Washington to a higher tier because I think maybe he can up the recruiting. But like Steven, one of those things, they got a couple five stars in their backyard – if you're going to go from tier three to tier two, you've got to beat Ohio state for those kids. They can't lose the best players in Washington state to Ohio state in recruiting and try to say you're tier two, you're tier three. Show me Washington keeping five-star kids home on a regular basis. And then I'm going to tell you they have a chance to get to tier two. But the other two teams I had are Auburn and Oklahoma state. Oklahoma state's like a really good program. But again, like what, what is the Oklahoma State wins a national title scenario? I, I, have, I mean, it's, it does not exist. What could that possibly be? But man, they sure are good, right? I mean, they sure do win a lot of games. So that's where I drew the line. Is there anybody like nationally? Because I think these are some more interesting teams to talk about nationally. Is there anybody that you, you strongly disagree with? Again, beyond the Big Ten teams, it was Washington, Stanford, Auburn, Oklahoma State. Anybody that you think is too high or too low nationally of those tier three teams? No, those are all teams that I had in in tiers three or tier four, and they're kind of interchangeable. This was like almost the toughest tier, the way that you laid it out for me, just because the descriptions aren't terribly different in some ways. Right, you're right. Like you don't think of, I guess in tier four, you're saying like, you don't even think about putting a national title anywhere near their name. Whereas tier three, it's plausible just because they're going to be in conference championship games so often, maybe it gets them in a backdoor playoff appearance. So like, like I had Oklahoma state in four instead of three, but I hear it. I had, um, I'm trying to think of somebody I had in three that you had, I might've had like Virginia tech in three instead of four. And I, I hear it both ways. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, but, but I think the, the point is that those teams have maybe both like three and four are almost their ceiling and their floor for me. Like it's, it's one or the other, but that's probably as far as they're ever going to rise or fall. Three or four is almost, you're saying how much belief you have in, if in a fluke year, they won't get their doors blown off in a playoff if they were able to fluke their way in. I mean, I think part of it is like tier four to me is more like you're usually in the top 25 but I think Wisconsin doesn't view itself as a top 25 team anymore. Like a year where Ohio State, yeah. where Wisconsin finishes like 24th in the polls, I don't think they're happy with that. To me, like tier three is more like you're like around 15th or so, right? And, and so looking at the tier three teams as I had them, and again, I didn't go by just what the winning percentages were over the last decade. Wisconsin has the seventh best winning percentage in major college football 
in the last decade. And they're in tier three. Like Wisconsin, if there's somehow a Wisconsin fan listening to this, they might be mad that they're not in tier two. Well, think about it. Like, so you didn't, you didn't have Florida state in tier three, right? Correct. There's still to come on your list, still to come on my list, but who gets more out of their program on a yearly basis? Could you argue Wisconsin or Florida state? Well, it just depends. It depends what your argument is. And it's, right. it's all about the peaks, which one can hit yes. the peak and yeah. which one can't. And Wisconsin can't hit the same peak that Florida State can. But as far as like who actually is like year to year, head to head, like over the last 10 years, who would have won more games head to head to Wisconsin and Florida State? I don't know. That might be a draw, but I know which one I clearly put in tier two and which one I clearly put in tier three. Right. And Florida State has a national title in the last decade. Yeah. Right. So um, I will say so like. Wisconsin in tier three, seventh best winning percentage in the last decade. Stanford, tier three, ninth best. Oklahoma State, tier three, 11th best. Michigan State, I had them tier three, they're 12th. Michigan in tier three, they're 16th best winning percentage. Auburn, I have in tier three, 15th best winning percentage. Uh, Washington that I had in tier three, 20th best winning percentage. So that's like... That's better than top 25. It's kind of what I said, kind of more like a top 15 program. So let's get to tier two. I have eight teams in tier two. The description is very good program almost all the time. And your peak can win a national title. Like your best is good enough. You expect double digit wins almost all the time with that big jump, that national title contention jump, maybe happening like every decade or so. I had eight teams on this list. Steven, any Big Ten teams in Tier 2? Penn State. It's just, I mean, and their peak could have come if they would have handled their business in the recruiting class of 2021 and you know, taken advantage of the fact that they had that many top 100 players in that class. And you build that up, and that's where maybe two or three years down the line here, that's where you see the jump up where they're, you know, a national title contender. But, yeah, Tier 2 team who I think suffers from the fact that they're not only in the same conference as a Tier 1 team, but also in the same – division and so they have to go through them which is why they haven't made more big 10 championship games than they've had which is only one they won one one big 10 championship game and still didn't make the playoffs that year so nathan who'd you have in tier two out of the big 10 i had penn state there i i waffled on them a little bit because i wasn't sure how much i wanted to put them ahead of someone like wisconsin but it's it's one of those things where it's almost more like how you feel uh, how that how you how you just kind of a, a, a an aesthetic thing that you have about that team. And I think at the end of the day, that's what led me to creep them ahead of where I have Michigan and Wisconsin right now. So Penn State, I also had in Tier 2 as the only Big Ten team in Tier 2. I think we're all united on that. Was was Penn State almost in Tier 3 for anybody, though? That, yes. You're saying that, Nathan. You almost had them in Tier 3. Steven, you agree with that? Yes, I did. Just because, you know, they do have some years where it's nine wins. It's not necessarily every year they're a double-digit win team. You remember who they have to play every single season? I guess the way I thought it was, if you put Penn State in the West, is Wisconsin Bingo. still in – you know, who, who, who's actually coming out ahead on most of those years? And I think Penn State is, is still the better program yeah, most Wisconsin, years. Wisconsin's got the most Big Ten championship appearances with six. I think you cut that in half if Penn State goes over there. Penn State lasts four years, 11 wins, nine wins, 11 wins, 11 wins. So if you're looking at trending, I mean, they're trending in a great way. And, and I think it is fair to use – and obviously Ohio State's in tier one. It is fair to use the tier one program as a benchmark, right? And we have talked about many times, Wisconsin's best does not beat Ohio State. Everybody thinks Wisconsin is close, but you go back the last 11 games, I think it is. And I'm not, I don't have the stats right here because we've talked about it so much on this podcast. 
they kind of give them a push in a certain way, but their Wisconsin's best is just not good enough to beat Ohio State. Penn State has like three games in the last five years where in the last four minutes of the game, you thought Penn State was going to win against Ohio State, right? Penn State, the way they have pushed Ohio State recently, I think that gives them a clear edge on Wisconsin because you're talking about the thing here is your best can win a national title. Steven, when you think about what Penn State's best looks like, and we've had conversations on this podcast, what if Justin Fields had kept his original commitment to Penn State? I can envision when I think about some of the skill guys that have come through Penn State, Saquon Barkley and Chris Godwin and Miles Sanders and Mike Gusecki, and when you look at Pat, Pat Frymuth right now and KJ Hamler, I, I, and then you think about, you know, Micah Parsons and some of the really good Shaka Tony. They have some good defenders. I can envision a world where Penn State's best does win a national title. Can you envision that, Stephen? Yeah, because they've played Ohio State so close. They always seem to be one or two plays away from winning that game, which if they stop, you know, blowing off some other games earlier on in the season, they're in the conversation. If they come into the Ohio State game undefeated and then they're able to, you know, get those one or two plays that never go in their favor in their favor, they're a playoff team and they're in. And then they can, you know, they can see what happens once they get in. So I have eight teams in Tier 2. My Tier 2 teams, in addition to Penn State, are – and this, I think, can spark some discussion because it goes back to how we view it. LSU, Notre Dame, Oregon, USC, Florida State, Texas, and Florida. Now, there are some teams in there, based on what they have done recently, that don't deserve to be there. When you look at, for instance, like what Texas has been lately – um, Texas has not been that, but I feel like if Texas gets it flipped and what Texas can be like, if Tom Herman's on the way up, listen, Texas in the last 10 years has a worse winning percentage than Northwestern. Texas the last 10 years is 36th in winning percentage. They are the lowest winning percentage of the last tech decade that I have in tier two. But when you think about what Texas is, they are the biggest, most important program in a talent-laden state. They've had some coaching issues. But if they get the recruiting figured out and what they have been, what they still can be, I don't think Texas, when you look at Nebraska, and I think part of your argument, Nathan, is, well, what Nebraska was, can they ever get back to that again? What, when you think of what Texas was, I think Texas has a better shot to get back to what it once was than Nebraska does. So, Nathan, when you hear me say I have Texas in Tier 2, does that like, listen, man, they're not even – they're worse than Northwestern the last 10 years. Or do you think there's, a, there's some logical reasoning behind them in Tier 2? I, I had Texas in Tier 2 as well, and I think I, I thought of it in, in along the same ways. I guess I – and maybe that seems like contradictory compared to the way I thought about Nebraska. I guess I just thought about Nebraska as having the ceiling of a program like Wisconsin – but not being anywhere near it right now, I guess. And, and that may be where we have some difference here that I, I am thinking I'm taking the past into account, but putting more on the past three to five years than you are. I think that's probably affecting some of these rankings, but I, I totally see what you're saying about Texas. Cause I feel the same way. Cause as much as you see them kind of muddling around in that, you know, eight, nine win range recently um, you remember Vince young and you remember how recently they were, 
a dominant force and you factor in something like kind of what you're talking about, how they just have this um, elevated place, even within their conference, regardless of how good they play on a given year, they carry a lot of weight, they carry a lot of water. And I don't feel that same way about a program like Nebraska, certainly. Texas is always a competent coaching staff and one or two recruiting classes away from being back within, you know, tier one of the tier one of things. Yeah, that's the thing, right? They, they have a path to tier one. And some of these tier two programs are, to me, they're actually like on-field results sort of in recent history. They're actually more like tier four, but upside peak, they're tier one. So then I'll put them at tier two, right? And I think that probably applies to the two Florida teams that are here, Florida and Florida State. The minute you get a coaching staff that can recruit, you're, you are contending for tier one. USC, the minute you get a coaching staff that can recruit, you're contending for tier one and Texas. The other programs, I think the other four programs in tier two to me are a little bit based more on what they're actually doing. Oregon's really good. Oregon is like legitimately at the edge of the national title discussion, right? They're probably the best program in the Pac-12 right now. And if you're the, if you're the best program in a power five conference, you know, you're in the national title discussion. Notre Dame is not that far. I mean, they made the playoff a couple of years ago. They made the national title game in 2012. They're still Notre Dame in a lot of ways. I think maybe there's an argument for tier three, maybe, but I mean, their Notre Dame-ness is still pretty there. They have some pretty good on-field results recently. And then Penn State and LSU are doing it right now. Is there, I think the one, LSU is fifth in overall winning percentage the past decade. It, it's not like the undefeated Heisman year last season came totally out of nowhere. We talk about the top tiers a lot. And we, I think I've always talked about LSU this way. I've never talked about LSU as a, as a tier one team. Is that wrong though? Do we, would either of you guys make an argument that the defending undefeated national champions who have the fifth best winning percentage of the past decade and play in the toughest conference and in the toughest division of the toughest conference. Yeah. They should be tier one. Anybody want to make that argument? Well, we talked um, another pod a few months ago, a couple of months ago. Who knows? Time doesn't mean anything since like March. Um, but we were talking about the, the, the dynasty concept, right? And we were asking like, which team has the best path to having a menace, mini dynasty in the next five years? My argument was LSU because they already have the national championship. I mean, they've been pretty good year in and year out, but they've got this. They have the thing. They just won the national championship. So as recently as last year, they were the best team, can, no question about it, the best team in college football. And I do think that means something. I, I, my thing was, though, my, my tier one is small. My tier one is definitely smaller than yours. Um, it may be smaller than Stevens too, but I, I kept that pretty tight. It was just, it was about, that was where it had, doing it over a much longer period of time. There was, a, there's a level of excellence that's, that's happening over a much longer period of time that a couple of schools can say that they're doing. And LSU is not quite there, but man, they're close. But also uh, tier one, you have to maintain that. And yes, LSU's had a pretty good winning percentage, but Tier one, they were tier one level last season, but you have to be tier one level for, you know, two or three year seasons in a row to be able to keep that because you can't just let, that's an exclusive VIP club. And you can't just let anybody in just because they dressed nicely one night. LSU's wins by season starting in 2019 and going back to 2000. 15, 10, 9, 8, 9, 8, 10, 10, 13, 11, 9, 8, 12, 11, 11, 9, 13, 8, 10, 8. Always good. No dips. No big dip like we've seen with a lot of programs. 
many, many, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven double digit wins in the last two decades. And I'm arguing against myself. I didn't put him in tier one. And it just depends how exclusive you want tier one to be. If there's an LSU fan listening who's pounding the table and saying, what, what more do you want? We should be in tier one. You might have a point, but you didn't make my tier one and you didn't make any of our tier ones. So let's talk about tier one. And I will say originally I had tier one split into two tiers. And then to me, if you split, there's a world where if you split tier one, if you really make tier one elite, I think there's only, there's only either two teams in tier one or maybe three teams in tier one. If you really, and then the way I had it, it was like tier one had two or three and then tier two had two or three. And then tier three was this group that we just called tier two. So I thought that's a little small for a tier. So I'm just going to jam all that together. And it's basically going to be every year you're in the national title picture. I did not differentiate between how often you actually win it and just being constantly in it with on-field results and expectations. You don't have to have an up year to be in the national title picture. It's just who you are that you're in the picture. But yet I have five teams in tier one. I mean, there's a gap between like the top team in tier one and the fifth team in tier one. Nathan, you did how many teams you said your tier one is smaller. How many teams are in your tier one? Well, my first draft had two teams in tier one, Alabama and Clemson. And that's the way we've talked about these tiers the whole time. Every, ever since I got here to cleveland.com, that's how we've talked about tier one, that those two teams are by themselves. And then Ohio State's 1.5. They're, they're knocking on the door. And then tier two is whatever tier two is. Uh, but at the end of the day, the reason I ended up putting Ohio State in tier one was sort of a little bit of what you're talking about, about the exclusivity of it. But then also kind of thinking like, well, if, Ohio, if, if a Big Ten team, if Ohio State doesn't make the playoff in a given year, that's considered that's that's news almost in and of itself. Like that's it, it, that's how they're thought of. Like they're thought of this. They're supposed to be in the playoff year in and year out. They're supposed to win the Big Ten year in and year out. And if they don't make the playoff for some reason, it's almost like then nobody from the Big Ten ends up getting in. It, it's just as likely as somebody else getting in, right? I mean that that happened in uh, seventeen and eighteen, right? Both. Mm-hmm. So it's it, that that's kind of what it came back to me. Like Ohio State is Ohio State is the one team other than Alabama and Clemson that is really aspiring to be at an Alabama and Clemson level. So for this exercise, I leaned them into one just because we didn't, we didn't put down that we were putting down the half marks, but if you're putting it on half mark, I would have Alabama and Clemson, number one, Ohio state's 1.5 and then two starts after that. Steven, who, who do you think is in this tier one discussion? Ohio state, Alabama, and Clemson, and then with a gap and kind of like at any moment they can get pushed out of the club, Oklahoma, just because, I mean, listen, I understand that they're, they're probably not going to win a national championship, but four playoff appearances is you have to acknowledge that. Even if it is coming from the Big 12, you have to acknowledge that they've had four playoff appearances since we started the college football playoff. So they might be at the edge, and at any moment they can get kicked out, and everybody's probably hoping to kick them out the VIP section, but you have to acknowledge four playoff appearances. And I guess for me it was like I can see the argument for putting Oklahoma on the 1.5 line with Ohio State, but I I couldn't see putting them all the way up with Alabama and Clemson. I I thought that was too much of a jump, partially because of what you said about Michigan State before, how when they get 
into the playoff and then they get kind of exposed a little bit. I think that's happened with Oklahoma. They always seem like they also ran for the playoffs. Like they, they got in, but then they were just there to get run over and, and somebody moves along. But, but they are quite a bit ahead of like the programs who are dying to get in. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, in the history in the six year history of the playoff, Alabama and Clemson have made it five times. Oklahoma's made it four. Ohio state's made it three and nobody else has made it more than once. So I actually am changing my mind on something. I'm adjusting it. I had Georgia in this tier. I think I have a tendency to overrate Georgia. I'm knocking Georgia down to tier two. They are, not, they are not in this. They are not in this tier. And actually, they probably don't deserve to be ahead of LSU. There's not really anything in, in the past 10 years, in the past year, in anything that would have Georgia ahead of LSU. That's a mistake by me. So I'm going to knock Georgia down to tier two and expand that. But I do think it is reasonable if, you, if you're not getting so, – Right. So my division was, I, I was in a world where tier one is Clemson, Ohio, and Clemson and Alabama. Tier two is Ohio State. Tier three is Oklahoma. Yeah. Tier four. And then it's like, well, what are we doing? Now we have one team in a tier. So you I just sections together. Yeah. So I do think, but I think the idea of, listen, who's in tier one? It's anybody who's made the playoff multiple times. And there's only four teams that have done that. The Georgia, that's a mistake by me. That's actually almost indefensible. Georgia definitely in tier two, expanding tier two. So that is now nine teams in tier two. But I think that's reasonable because, you know, it, it's hard to make the playoff. And Oklahoma, yes, they've lost every playoff game they've ever, play, ever played. They should have won the game, right, against Georgia, that overtime game against Georgia. They blew that game. They were, you know, peak Oklahoma is right there. And they're consistently good. And listen, their defense stinks. Lincoln Riley is excellent, right? I mean, like, it's not going to the, – the moment that Lincoln Riley figures it out and figures out a way to beat Bama is not going to be – we're not going to be dumbfounded. Like, we w- it wouldn't be a miracle. It would be like, okay, Lincoln Riley finally got it. And he finally figured out a way for his defense to only give up 30 instead of 50. So I think those top four – but, Nathan, if you really are slicing it, I almost think Ohio State's on a tier of its own below Alabama and Clemson, but ahead of Oklahoma because Ohio State has at least won a title here, right? Even though they've lost their other playoff games. But I'm comfortable with a top four tier where these four teams are all in the same tier. Would you, if you had made the list and if you had been the one who was screaming more, would you have, have separated it and just been like whatever number of tiers you would have come up with, your top tier only would have been Clemson and Bama? Yeah, I think if I were writing the descriptions, it would have been a little bit different. And I think – and it, it affected the way that I ranked pretty much everybody all the way down, except for maybe seven. Sevens are just sevens. But when I – the first thing I did when I started putting this down was Clemson, Alabama go in tier one. And then from that point on, that was kind of how I started judging everybody else. So that probably also affected how I kind of some of my judgments, especially lower on, might have been a little bit harsher because I had a higher standard. Having that higher standard for one sets a higher standard for two sets a higher standard for three. I think that affected things on down the list. All right. Now we need to figure out what the tiers mean. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on Wake Forest, but I want to come back after the break and finish up with this. I don't think we'll go the normal two hours on this, but I do want to have a deep discussion on this because there's a point to this. The point to this is in a world where what every other Big Ten team wants to do this football season affects directly Ohio State's ability to play football, 
how do we think programs and universities and athletic departments view it? And how does their placement in a tier affect how they might think about trying to play or not to play in the middle of a pandemic? I think that's why this matters more than ever. And if you're a tech subscriber and you have a big a disagreement, if you want to send us a text and say, hey, man, I, th- your thing on tier four, you totally had whatever, whatever team in the wrong spot, totally here for that. Send us a text at 614-350-3315 and tell us where we screwed it up. But I want to really dig in on the Big Ten. We will do that after this on Buckeye Talk. All right, back on Buckeye Talk, we did a little math during the break, which is always a dangerous thing. But we're going to talk about what being in the tiers means. So to review, Ohio State, all of us had them in tier one. Penn State, all of us had them in tier two. Wisconsin and Michigan, all of us had them in tier three. Michigan State, Stephen and Nathan had them in tier four. I had them in tier three. Iowa, Nathan and I had them in tier four. Stephen had them in tier five. Northwestern, Nathan had him in tier four. I had him in tier five. Stephen had him in tier six. Minnesota, we all had him in tier five. Nebraska, Nathan and Stephen had him in tier six. I had him in tier four. Purdue, all in tier six. Indiana, all in tier six. Illinois, one in tier six, two in tier seven. Maryland and Rutgers, all in tier seven. So the end result of this is I think the dividing line of like, are you pretty good at football and should you care about it is tier four. The rest of it is like, you're kind of holding on by your fingernails and hoping something randomly clicks. Seven, half, seven teams, half the big 10, we have in tier five, tier six, or tier seven. And it's hard to get a handle on exactly who is voting for what and what teams think about what, but it feels like it's kind of like the teams The teams in the first four tiers want to play, maybe, and the teams in the bottom three tiers don't want to play, maybe. And that's not exactly it, right? But just the way people are talking and random reports or whatever. Nathan, is this, is, are, are Ohio State fans now, now ripping their hair out over the idea of Rutgers, Illinois, Maryland, Purdue, Indiana, that all of us view as tier six and tier seven teams having this much influence on whether Ohio State can try to play for a national championship this fall. Is that just the way conferences work? Or is that something, when you think about it this way, that should, at the very least, if it doesn't make Ohio State fans angry, should frustrate them? I suppose I can understand why it would frustrate them, but I think that is just the way conferences work. You know, th- this could be another year where Ohio State doesn't have as, as much of a chance to win a national championship. I guess this could just as plausibly come up, maybe even as early as next year, where we don't maybe expect them to have this immediate of a chance to win a national championship or this this reel of one. Um, you know, this is this is how a lot of things work in American life. I don't know that I agree that a senator from North Dakota is should get as many votes as a senator from California or whatever, but that's how it works. That's how we've split these things up. Everybody in this conference gets one vote, and um, it's it's. Oh my God! That's how it works. You just political, but no, like you just like composition of the Senate. Practic, you practically electoral college the Big Ten argument. Yeah, isn't it though? I mean, in this case, that's what it is. Everybody gets one vote. 
I know, but everybody hates the electoral college. <laughs> yeah, they should. It's, awful. it's, 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 it's a awful. ridiculous so system. I'm not, but I'm not. So, so, so if the argument is, listen, it's 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 proportional vote based on everybody gets a vote, not based on your power <laughs> and influence and whatever matters more. So okay, but like a lot of people think that's a pretty screwy way. The examples well, but, you're giving, people think those examples, while also while current and truthful, are screwy. It's the political analogy probably isn't the best one. A better analogy would be if it was a it's it's a partnership, right? It's or or it's like a it's like shareholders in a company, and all of these happen to have exactly the precise same percentage of the company, and that's how they get the vote. But but. But I think when you have, but the point of this is, yes, they are shareholders in a company, but who are vastly different in their competence at this area of the company, which then might influence how much they value this area of the company. If you have shares in a company, I don't know. I actually don't think that's a great analogy because- because sh holding shares is like a static thing. This is like an activity. I'm trying to think of. I actually think well, maybe the political. Yeah, maybe the political thing actually is I, a better. I think it is because, better because it's every everybody coming from their own interests to vote on one common thing. You know what I mean? Like everybody has their own agendas and their own priorities, and that's why and that's where this becomes a tough decision. Because if you're the president at Illinois and you think that it's too unsafe to play football right now or Rutgers or wherever and you think it's too unsafe to play football and you think everybody in the SEC is crazy, I don't know that Ohio State's chances of winning a national championship affect your vote very much, and maybe they shouldn't. And all, no, and maybe also not worth it because you know, I mean, well, what's the point of Rutgers getting involved here to win one game? But that's, I mean, we're, nobody's disputing that, but the point is, is that all Rutgers should think about? And we've actually talked about this in another podcast, so I don't want to go totally down this line. I want the tears. I want to talk about what the tears are telling us. Did you realize, Stephen, did you realize before this that half the Big Ten was in the tears that we designate as like, eh, kind of stink at it, don't care much about it? Did you know that for sure? Or did you like sort of I mean, feel that? You assumed, it, you assumed it, but you didn't think it was – until you see the actual numbers of where everybody's at, you don't realize how – you know, bad it might be, but you assumed it. Yeah, that it's maybe only three or four teams tops who, who want to play, but also are the teams who are good. I will say I did – so, again, I did, I did the tiers for every conference. The way that I broke up the tiers, the SEC is also half in the bottom tiers. So it's not like – the Big Ten is not necessarily an outlier in that. Um, I had in the SEC, I had seven teams in the bottom three tiers and seven teams in the top four tiers. In the ACC, I had five teams in the top four tiers and nine teams in the bottom three tiers, right? So that's actually even worse. Um, so it's not, it's not completely unusual, but it's, it's sort of a matter here of how much should the bottom tier teams affect the top tier teams. And again, we don't have to, it's all a balance. Of course, it's all a balance. It's how you view the science, how you view the medical opinions, and then you balance it with what football means to your program. I think this exercise is probably a little frustrating for Ohio State fans because it does reinforce the idea that Rutgers, Illinois, Maryland, Purdue, Indiana, Northwestern, and Minnesota just have a different view on football. Nathan, is that, that's indisputable. Now, 
let's not talk about what the view of football means. Of course, the science is the science and how you view that something. But, but that exercise of, boy, it does remind me a little bit of this conference swings pretty wildly from top to bottom on how much its members value football in a world where they share TV money, right? In a world where they do everything together, man, are they different? Man, are they different with how they look at football? Yeah, I mean, if you the best analogy I can make, considering the two programs that I've covered, I mean, Ohio State, if they were having a, a mediocre year, you would still get to the end of the year and not even talk about the Michigan game, but you'd still get to the end of the year and expect there to be 100,000 people in Ohio Stadium. I mean, year in and year out, that's not really going to drop off that much. Whereas a team I covered, Purdue, one of these lower division teams, if they were having a great year, get up where they're only getting up to that eight or nine win level, they're still maybe not selling out their home stadium depending on the opponent I mean they, they do when Ohio State or Michigan or Wisconsin I should say maybe comes down maybe even Michigan but like most of the time they're not selling out a stadium and it's a much smaller stadium so I think just those things alone I mean I think that's already kind of baked into the way that we look at, the, at this at this conference but that reinforces it that there's the Ohio States and the Penn States and the Michigans up at one level and people on a national level know that those teams should be in the conversation and then you've got down at the bottom you've got teams that people forget even play football but also to the fact of the, the bottom feeder's view on football is impacting whether or not, you know, the top dogs get to play football this year. While when you look at the SEC, I mean, Vanderbilt's, I don't know what Vanderbilt's, what, if they want to actually play or not, but their view on football isn't affecting whether or not Alabama gets to play this fall. Whatever, no, but only whatever Vanderbilt's view was, yeah. It, yeah. it doesn't it, matter. It, it, right. that, doesn't, that didn't matter. Who cares? It matters what, what Rutgers thinks in comparison to what Ohio State thinks because it's affecting who gets to play and who doesn't. That's well, the, Rutgers, that's Rutgers, the opinion, Rutgers' opinion only matters because it was accompanied by 10 others, too, or eight others that, that forced them to cancel the season or, or voted to cancel the season. Rutgers' vote on its own is only as important as it was relative to Vanderbilt because it came with all of the others that were voting to cancel football. Right. So that's the other thing to remember, that there's teams at the upper – at the top of this, you know, Penn State, Michigan – uh, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Northwestern, all of those presidents voted to cancel football too. And those are in the top four tiers. And that is, that is the interesting part, which is we did talk about before. Mm-hmm. And I said before, I'm not, I think maybe Penn State and Wisconsin voted wrong the first time around. Not because if you care about football and you do, then you could have said, well, let's wait and see. Let's not cancel yet in, in, your, in your science football balance, right? The, the other part of this that might be having people go crazy is that Two of the programs that we have in tier seven are the two they just added. And it just doesn't reinforce Steven. My God, like we didn't, again, uh, an exercise like this, I think is valuable in confirming what we think we thought, which was we thought, why are they here? And now we did this exercise and it's like, why are they here? What we thought about Rutgers and Maryland in passing, when you really try to group them into the national picture of college football, Nathan, Stephen, why are Rutgers and Maryland here? Yeah, especially when you think about the fact that if Maryland was still in the ACC, they'd be playing right now. Right. Uh, so, you know, their, their, their voice wouldn't have mattered in the ACC because they would have been among the few, I don't think we don't know these votes, but they probably would have been among the few who voted to not play, but it wouldn't have mattered because everybody else voted to play. But well, here, I don't know. Did the conferences, do you, well, I don't know. We don't know what, what other, yeah, we don't, this is all how they like, voted yeah, or didn't all, vote, but yeah. Yeah. But just the simple fact they're that, playing. You know, 
they're, they're playing when the conference – they would have been playing if they would have stayed in the ACC, but they come here and now they're not playing. And Rutgers will probably be playing too. They would have had to go to some other conference, assuming the Big East. They probably would have been American did, probably. So. Yeah, or, or the ACC themselves. I mean, they'd yeah. probably be playing too. Voting – playing when they didn't want to play. It really is – I mean, it is interesting. It's, it's fun to sort of uh, – to drag Rutgers in Maryland. It's always fun to drag Rutgers, especially. But I think the, the point that you're making, Nathan, it really is about the idea that, um, that Penn State and Wisconsin and Michigan State and Michigan and some of these other universities that clearly do care about football and are good at football did vote to cancel for the fall when they could have voted to just wait and see and I don't know if for their universities and their football programs and athletic departments, when you take the thing, the whole picture together, I don't know if that was the smartest thing for them. And we're not going to go down the same road we've had a million times, but I do think it's really hard, especially Wisconsin, right? Man, it's really Wisconsin, man, you are, you are, have really done something here. And it really does, I think, matter in Madison. And it's not like Madison was necessarily, I don't know, Madison was not a hotbed, an outbreak, right, of coronavirus stuff. I mean, you know, the Midwest had its time when they got hit, but um, that Wisconsin is not sort of on this, is not in the same spot as Ohio State and, and Nebraska and Iowa, right? It's like, I don't, I don't exactly know what Wisconsin is doing there. And again, as you, you made your point, Nathan, well, still, that wouldn't have been enough. But the more you get on the, the, the losing side, the closer you make it, then maybe you can drag some other people along. So we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know where things stand with what people are calling a revote or if it's just the thing they have to do anyway. But um, I don't know. I, I, I understand frustration in the end. I, this is the one, and there's no, we understand how hard it is to be in tier one, but there's nobody even in the argument, right? I mean, Penn State's a good program. You are a single, you are the single tier one program in a conference that's not playing football. And that's why you're mad. And that's why you're mad. And listen, nobody else in tier one is not playing football because there's no tier one program in the Pac-12 right now. So the only tier one program not currently planning to play fall football is Ohio State. And that is what we see, right? Nathan, I think that exercise in the end, if it's like, why are Ohio State people so upset? This is why. They're the only tier one program that can't play. That's what's been framing all of this outcry the whole time. It isn't that the Big Ten isn't playing. It's that the Big Ten isn't playing and, the East, and Clemson and Alabama are. I mean, from the, from the Ohio State fan perspective, that's what frames this conversation. That those teams are going to get to go play for their plausible chance at a national championship and Ohio State's not. At the end of the day, that's what frames the Ohio State uh, outcry here. Um, and, and I think throughout the rest of the Big Ten, I think it's felt it, it, tremors of that are felt in different ways. I don't think Nebraska and Iowa aren't looking at it from we want to win a national championship or we think we can this year. But I think then it becomes like we're not playing, but all these other teams are. It's, it's all about that dichotomy that the teams that are playing, the teams that aren't. If, if these other teams weren't playing, if all these other programs had, had also voted to shut down their season, nobody would, there wouldn't be an outcry right now at, at the level that there is for the Big Ten to be playing football. Everybody, I think, would have accepted it in a much different way. It's the feeling of being robbed of an opportunity to win something that they think they would go do. So, And, and nobody else feels that way because no. nobody else feels robbed because nobody else feels like they were right there. All right, listen, we're not going to go two hours just to make ourselves go two hours. I'll give you a little break. We cut it a little short for a Wednesday pod. We covered what we wanted to cover with this very specific topic. Whenever news warrants us to do another pod, we will. We'll have things lined up and we're going to do a retalkables on Friday unless something goes bonkers. But even if something does go bonkers, we'll probably do it anyway. So that Oregon 
Ohio State Rose Bowl at the end of the 2009 season is on YouTube if you guys want to watch that. People seem to have enjoyed the retalkables last week about Ohio State, Virginia Tech in 2015. If you did not listen to that, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. We'll have the same categories for this Rose Bowl. We'll be talking about Terrell Pryor and Jake Ballard and Jim Tressel and Cam Hayward. Cam Hayward just got a big contract. Cam Hayward, defensive star of this, of this game that we're going to do. I like the idea that we did an, an Urban Meyer era game for the first one. Now we're going to do a Jim Tressel era game. And it doesn't mean – I, like, I, I want to jump around a little bit because I think that'll affect our framing. And, and now we'll be able to see, okay, we just watched this Urban Meyer offense. Let's watch this Jim Trestle offense and see how it feels different or feels the same. So that's going to be the plan for Friday. We'll have something good for Thursday as well. We appreciate you guys listening to Buckeye Talk. Drop a review. I don't know what Bill and Ari did. They must have had some joke on their podcast about give us a review and I'll wash your car or something. But, you know, yeah. I If they get a five-star review, they if, if they get enough five-star reviews, then somebody – got a car wash or something so that's begging is that technically begging for a five-star review uh, you could argue bribing. bribery yeah I, bribing okay <laughs> it's a, it's well no it's yeah it's yeah, yeah it's bribery i but think it's just a, a review a five-star it's, a five it's, star. Bu- it's buying a it's buying a five-star review with your service instead of money Okay, so I like to keep I like to keep tabs on the competition i i read our reviews i read the reviews of other podcasts so i'm not gonna beg I'm not, I'm not washing gonna, your car. I'm not going to bribe, but I'll tell you, if you like the podcast, drop a review. You know, if you want, if you want a little love for Buckeye Talk to get into the world, drop a review. And I mean, and I'll, and I'll send you a hundred dollars. I'll just send a hundred dollars. <laughs> no, I won't send you a hundred dollars. We'll, we'll, we'll say, we'll read it on the podcast and we'll say your name in appreciation. So thanks to everybody for listening. That's our big Wednesday Buckeye Talk. We'll talk to you soon. Hang in. Honestly, though, as soon as something is decided, we can all sort of move on. And at least on this podcast, we'll move on again. We've got the list of things we're going to talk about. We're going to keep it entertaining and, entertaining and interesting here on Buckeye Talk. But for now, for Nathan and Steven, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.